Y'all still fighting y'all flesh? You know, pastor was all in my teaching from the top. But we're going to move forward because he got you thinking about it. I hope that the thought didn't go over your mind, but you were actually able to think about some moments where you have struggled with your flesh. I know a lot of you have different areas that you struggle with, and that's actually what I'm going to talk about today because I have continually had to go against my flesh and actually apply the fruit over the past year of my life. And it's been tested in every single area. But because I have overcome, I decided to share a little bit of what helped me through that and how the word can be applied. So if you ready to go on a little journey with me, you wanna do that? All right, this is called when self-control produced by God's love becomes your eternal fortress. All right. Why is it called that? Like, where did that come from, right? <laughs> self-control, once that is a part of you and you're able to live it out, it does keep you walking in God's love, which will always keep you ready for your eternal life. It will never be taken away from you. This is why we have to make it high priority, all right? So my foundation scripture, minister, if you can go to Proverbs 25, 28, in a complete Jewish, please. Okay, just pull it up on whatever you got. All right, we'll read in the, the English Standard Version. Okay. It so reads, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. All right. So what I actually have here in the CJB says, like a city breached without walls is a person who lacks self-control. The scripture provides a picture a city breached. How would that describe? And how is that described? And what is the repercussions of such? Which is the first thing that came to my mind. Is that what you're thinking when you're reading this? Because I need to understand exactly how you are interpreting the word. Are you starting to question what does that really mean? So let's talk about a city. A city is a large human settlement. It has housing, transportation, sanitation, utilities, land use, communication. It has government organizations and businesses. Half of the world population lives in cities. In Hebrew, it's described as a fortress, a fortified place, a stronghold, a place of defense and security. It has walls, right? So that's the city. So now it's breach. That's the act of breaking, rupture. Infraction or violation as of law, faith, trust, or promise. A gap made in the wall, fortification. To break the law, severance or separation. So we just described a city and it being breached, right? So when we describe a city breached as a definition, it makes me think of a few things. An invasion. Disease maybe entering the body. That's something breach, right? Being out of harmony, right? 
tearing down walls that's built. But then it took me back to our separation from Eden, Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed. So when we describe a city that is being breached, we must know why this was used as the example. He described it as a person with a lack of self-control. For example, our freedom and God started in Eden. But when the separation came, the walls fell and we were no longer protected from sin. The first time we witnessed a lack of self-control was when Eve was tempted by the serpent. All right? So because that was the first time and something monumental happened, that should describe how monumental disobedience can be in our lives which is why self-control is so important. A lot of times we sit it aside. Most of all, uh, we don't want to talk about our sin. We don't want to talk about it. We want to lay it to the side. We want to we keep it private. That's the most dangerous thing that you can do, is keep it private. That was a private little conversation the serpent was having in her ear, wasn't it? Right? That's true. So. Because that is the case, we should be on guard and in full hope of wanting to have self-control. This needs to be a desire. It has to be a desire. It can cost you your life, your whole life, all right, and others. <laughs> so let's go back to the city. Just to be clear, the city represents a man in this case, right? So the large human settling, settlement Mm, I looked at it as a body, all right? Uh, it has housing. I looked at it as the brain. Y'all can get a little creative, so just go with me. Yeah. The transportation is the blood flow, all right? The sanitation is the digestive system. The utilities are your senses. The land use is your gifts and the communication is your thoughts, all right? So, as we described the city before, now see yourself as the city, all right? Because you, you gotta break it down to these small details so you don't forget when you're in trouble, all right? In Christ, this house is your righteousness. You are the church, the holy temple. Do you value yourself in that way? Think about it. Do, do we really look at ourselves in that way? All right. Minister, if you can go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Still reading in the English Standard Version. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay. So this city is God's city. That's your body. All right? I mean, let's make it simple and plain. This city is God's city. Your body is God's city. He already bought it, it's his. This is why your self-control is important because if you want to be with him, 
of him, living the life of him, you do have to address what you let in your city and what you let go down in your city, all right? So this should be on your mind consistently. You should be thinking, is my city functioning and flourishing, all right? So let's go to breach. Breach describes what happens when you have no self-control. So when we define breach, it was breaking in and rupture. I looked at that as leaving yourself open to evil temptation, all right? Violation of law, faith, trust, and promise. This is when you no longer are functioning in your original making as the holy temple. This one was violation of law, faith, trust, and promise. This is when you are no longer functioning in your original making as the holy temple. The next one that described the breach was a gap in the wall. That's accepting anything into your body. You got a little space, you just like, yeah, but just put anything in it, all right? You just going for it. You just like, whatever, it's another day, all right? The next definition under breach was to break the law. This is resisting God's law. God has a law for his city. Severance and separation. This is departing from the spirit of God. So that moment where you separated, you made a choice to disobey his law, what he's shown you, what he has taught, what pastor has brought forth to your ears because we're responsible for that as well. That is when you are separating yourself from the spirit, which is why you are unable to produce. All right? Minister, if you can go to James 1, 14 through 15. James chapter 1 at verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed and baited by his own evil desire, lust, or passions. Then the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Y'all didn't miss that, right? Sin brings forth death. Sin brings forth death. And how did that happen? He was drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desires, lust, passion. You ever have something to stay on your mind that you just see yourself kind of floating away? You You just floating away. On that thought, you just easing on into it. That's the time to take another thought. You should never be in a place where you get backed into the corner because that's where the bait is. Repeat that again. That one wasn't on the paper. (laughs) But that moment where that thing is on your mind so much that it pulls you away and you get into your own space in your head and it replays over and over again, that's debating to your desire. It's debating. That's when it's time to take another thought. You have to quickly take another thought so you can keep moving forward. 
because that's what keeps you away from the gathering. That's what make you feel like you don't want to come. That's what make you feel as if someone might see it on you. That's that moment where you're wondering, can anybody see what I'm really thinking? Take another thought. <laughs> Take another thought. All right. The value of self-control. Y'all want to know why it's such high value? Not that we didn't mention it already. Self-control is the ability to regulate your emotions, your thoughts, your behavior in the face of temptation and or difficult situations. Self-control is being sober-minded. All right? A lot of us are dealing with trying to keep our emotions in check. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Oh, man, before I met teacher, shoot, when she met me, I was in her office. She's my boss. I'm just crying. <laughs> I, I was definitely a very, very emotional person. So I knew the moment that Holy Spirit had took over my life because I was not overtaken by anything anymore. And that's what made a huge difference in my life my conduct, and what I was able to do. So this is it's very valuable. It's, it's, a, it's something I wish I, I had sooner. <laughs> I spent a lot of days and nights just crying and crying and crying. Now, yeah, yeah. Let me tell y'all what happened to me this morning. You know when you're studying something, you get tested, right? All right. I wake up this morning, and my mom sends me a text, and it said, happy separated wedding anniversary. Right? Yeah, this would be my wedding anniversary, you know, if I wasn't separated, right? So immediately, it hit me as soon as I read the text, and I begin to cry. I mean, well, like, ugh. It just came out, and in that very moment, I don't think it took a whole minute. I took a whole nother thought, and next thing you know, I was back up. I thought about something the teacher said to me. Next thing you know, I'm laughing into the shower, and I'm just laughing. And I realized that it could have had me for the whole day. But taking another thought, I, and it's because of having knowledge to do so. We have knowledge to apply. You can apply what you know. So if you know that, okay, I shouldn't be triggered in this way, immediately apply what you know so you can get back to Holy Spirit and get yourself up and keep going. Because today is also the day I graduated with a Master's of Architecture. Today was also the day that I started my very first business and became an entrepreneur back in 2010. Today is also the day that's my first time teaching here in Bible study. So, <laughs> but you know, he's not going to remind you of that stuff. <laughs> he's not going to, he's going to bait you, bait you with the stuff that, yeah, yeah. So, yep, wherever your emotions is. So this is why self-control is of high Value. Minister, can you go to 2 Timothy 1 7? Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 
of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Isn't that just delightful? That's, that's what he gave us. Do we believe that's what he gave us? That's the question. Do we believe that that's what he gave us? That's something that we should consistently put in our mind. I remember teacher told me when I first was trying to get on get onto my feet, she said, you gotta have some scriptures that come up in your heart. I need you to have a few scriptures that come into your heart when you're feeling a little bit like you're falling apart, being my emotional self. And this was before everything happened. This is when I first began to learn. And 2 Timothy 1.7 was one of them, so you know I had to throw that in there, right? So I'm hoping that it can help you too, all right? So self-control is one of the fruits and specifically listed as the last one, all right? Um, you can go back to that uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. I know Pastor went there for me already. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness or benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. I know Pastor went through this, but that's what's given to us with Holy Spirit. So if you're really having trouble, we should be really fighting to have Holy Spirit. If you really believe and you are struggling, you should really be fighting to have Holy Spirit. I asked Holy Spirit, why is self-control listed last? Like, that was the thing that was just, I was wondering, like, why did he list that? Um, what I got was, Self-control will be produced, but with self-control, it's working alongside the other characteristic and not just alone. So when someone describes self-control, it still will have to be with love. It still will have to be with joy. It still will have to be with peace. It still will have to be with patience. It still will have to be with kindness, goodness, with faithfulness. Self-control becomes the all right? And still, it's implemented as a partner to each of the fruits. So when you have self-control, it shouldn't look like this. <laughs> Where that other fruit at? Where is the rest of that fruit? <laughs> No, I, I'm exercising my self-control. Wait, it's some other fruit that come with that. It's some other fruit that come with that. Self-control should never be so visually evident. Yeah. 
it shouldn't be visually evident. It it should be something that's just almost almost forgotten because it is the last one. Think about it. It's a automatic. We walk around every day, right? That's automatic. We just gonna walk around. We don't think about it. We don't say, oh, I'm gonna walk around, but I feel like crawling today. We don't do that. We just walk, right? That's for babies, right? We stand up tall, we walk. All right. Okay. I'm gonna move forward. So let's talk about self-control being mastered through love. All right? Love and self-control is not always looked at in the same category, but yet you need self-control to love. Why is that? Minister, go to 1 Corinthians 4. Oh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. Y'all are familiar with this scripture. First Corinthians chapter 13 at verse 4. Love endures long. Stop right there. Don't you need some self-control to endure long? Okay, keep going. And is patient. Stop right there. Don't you need self-control to be patient? Keep going. And kind. Stop. Don't you need self-control to do that too? Go ahead. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Self-control. Is not boastful. Self-control. Or vainglorious. Self-control. Does not display itself haughtily. Self-control. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. Self-control. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Self-control. Y'all can say it with me. Love. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Self-control. For it is not self-seeking. Self-control. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Self-control. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Self-control. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Self-control. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. Self-control. But rejoices when right and truth prevail. Oh, that's when the control happened. All right. Keep going. Love bears up under mm. anything and everything that comes. Self-control. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Self-control. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. <clears throat> and it endures everything without weakening. Self-control. Verse 8. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Self-control never does. It shouldn't. Go ahead. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. All right, so if you, if you really look at what love is, it's requiring you to have Holy Spirit. 
it's requiring you to work that fruit. All right, so just to quickly recap what you understand about the fruits and what you understand about the love chapter. So we, so we saw Holy Spirit produces self-control as fruit, right? Which yields with other great characteristics. And this fruit is used to love. But then we also know that what? Faith works by what? All right, well, let's keep going. Love that reproduces through faith, which keeps us in Christ. So let's go to 1 Peter 1.7, minister. 1 Peter, verse, 1 Peter 1, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. So that the, gen the genuineness of your faith may be tested. Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, is revealed. Did that just say that faith was more, more infinitely precious than perishable gold? As many times as I hear that scripture, I saw that thing when I was studying this. I said, oh, my faith is more precious. But faith works by love, right? Do we look at faith in that way? How many of you have exercised your faith lately? Really exercised your faith? <sighs> or have we forgotten faith because we still have not mastered love? All right, think about it. How can we get to faith if we have not mastered love? It works by love. So we must master love, which means that we need to have self-control. So this is why it's so important to keep it as high priority, because your faith is not going to get to work without any of that. All right? You will just be in an insane state of mind and get trampled by the enemy. And he already knows your love and where it is and to tamper with you and know that you won't never make it to faith, which means that you're still worshiping him, which takes your worship from God. All right. Let's go to Galatians 5, 6. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. So, again, your faith works through love. There's Three key words that I noticed in that, activated. Don't you want your faith activated? Activated is to excite, to hasten, to make capable, to purify. That's what your faith can do. This is why it's valuable. Expressed, that was the next thing it listed. It's put into words, uttered, stated, show, manifest, reveal, declare, formulate. 
This is why it's a hot commodity. Working, it's an operation, action, the process of shaping a material, labor, producing results. Faith does all these things only through love. So if I love, which needs discipline, has not manifested, our faith will be lacking because we will not be producing. Are we producing? So, you need your self-discipline to love. To love, you can have faith, and your faith produces. So we can't skip steps. We can't skip steps. See clearly what each step is. The word really puts it through. It, it, it shows us how it's working. So. Let's go to 2 Peter, Peter 1, 5 through 8. It is hot up here. <laughs> no, Second, it ain't for a car. 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse 5. For this very reason, adding your diligence mm -hmm. to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith. Mm. To develop virtue, yes. excellence, resolution, Christian energy. Yes. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, yes. intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. Yes. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, patience, endurance, and in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness, piety. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. That's First a lot of exercising. <laughs> that is a lot of exercising. You can go to verse 8. Verse 8. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. This shows us exactly how to grow closer to our Father and to actually let him use us. So this discipline is operable through love, which produces faith which now in turns creates a new man who has virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. This will help us with our relationships as well. This is what will, this is what it says in verse eight, this is what will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we are being idle and unfruitful unto the personal knowledge, that means that we're not really hearing what's coming forth. We're not hearing. It's just going in and coming out. This is why we must go to James Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. 
James chapter 1 at verse 2. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perf perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Listen, the word just told you exactly what it is. You are going to be tested and you're going to need that faith. So we better start loving real quick. All right. <laughs> You're going to need that faith because you're going to be tested. And you don't want to get chewed up by the enemy. You want to grow closer to God. And if you're growing closer to God, you will be able to overcome. That's why we win. That's why we win. So many of our lives are like city without walls. Or they have holes that still need to be closed. If you go into the world, the world tries to tell people how to have self-control. I just checked it out, wanted to see what they was talking about because this is something important in the world and in, <laughs> in the word, but the world tries to tell you how to function. I want to make sure you know the difference between the two so you're not caught up in that either, all right? So it said, oh, remove the temptation. Well, what if the temptation can't be removed? Aren't we supposed to count it all joy? All right. So keep that in mind. Because if you're just moving the temptation, it's not going to work for you. That's the worldly way. All right. Measure your progress. So I have been without filling a blank for this long. It does not usually make me feel that great that I've been without whatever it is for that long. So why am I counting that progress? That's not helping me any. It's just reminding me of what I don't have. The world says, learn how to manage your stress. This is why people tend to lean on yoga. That's a Hindu technique that guides you more to the kundalini spirit rather than the spirit of God. So what are we picking up to manage our stress? Are we picking up the word of God or are we doing it the world's way? The world says, prioritize things. What if your priorities are straight? <laughs> People who are prioritized don't get tempted. It says, forgive yourself. Well, sometimes we are so busy forgiving ourselves that the sin continues to beset us right. while never taking time to repent. But this is what the world tell you to do. It sounds real good at first, right? It sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when, with the mind of Christ, that don't sound that good to me. This is the mind of Christ. It doesn't sound that good to me. Forgive yourself. That means this is, th that's actually the enemy whispering. Forgive yourself. It's OK. Be yourself. Everybody else do it. 
so sneaky. You be all caught up doing some other stuff, trying to figure out whether you coming or going, and then here comes the accuser. Yeah, look at you. Then you're depressed. It can kill you. If you didn't realize how, I just explained how. It can kill you. All right. But the word of God is where the power and I, our identity lies. All right. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Y'all know this one. Put that up there. First Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 13. It so reads, for no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. So why do we still sin? He gave us everything we needed. But why is it this big separation in the body of people who want to choose to live one way and others who would like to do the free for all on the sake of what they would call grace? But the word tells us what he gave us. He told us the kind of power that we have. When you see someone walk in this, doesn't it look powerful? Wouldn't Christ want to be represented in a way that shows his power? But we choose to lean on what we think it is rather than seeing what the word says and avoiding the very power that he gave us. This is very important to remember. This is why you want to be yoked up with Christ. <laughs> this is why <laughs> this is of high priority and importance. Go to Titus 2, 11 through 12. Titus chapter 2 at verse 11. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us 
to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires, to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. Are we forgetting to read verse 12 when we read verse 11? <laughs> it has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness. That's what the Spirit of God does. So this is why for no temptation <laughs> has overtaken you. But if we don't believe that, you will be overtaken. God uses people with self-control to lead. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. Now a bishop, a superintendent, an overseer, must give no grounds for accusation, but must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, circumspect, and temperate and self-controlled. He must be sensible and well-behaved and dignified and lead an orderly, disciplined life. He must be hospitable, showing love for and being a friend to the believers, especially strangers or foreigners, and be a capable and qualified teacher. Verse three, not given to wine, not combative, but gentle and considerate, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable, and not a lover of money, insatiable for wealth, and ready to obtain it by questionable means. He must rule his own household well, keeping his children under control with true dignity, commanding their respect in every way and keeping them respectful. Verse 5, for if a man does not know how to rule his own household, how is he to take care of the church of God? He must not be a new convert, or he may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind. As the result of pride, be blinded by conceit and fall into the condemnation that the devil once did. Verse 7, furthermore, he must have a good reputation and be well thought of by those outside the church, lest he become involved in slander and incur reproach and fall into the devil's trap. Men of God, stand up, okay? <laughs> Men of God, stand up. If you're trying to figure out which way to go, I feel like 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7 is a good description of what a man of God really, yep, it's all right there. It's all right there. Put that with your 1 Corinthians 13 reading. Go to 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 7. Okay, so <laughs> when we are tested and we actually are steadfast in our belief, conviction, and dying to our flesh, it does produce a strength that is prepared for great responsibility. This prepares you as a leader. We cry out to God to be used and to know him, and in that we must be prepared to be tested on all sides. 
So, unbounded, worldly, and living by your flesh. Let's go to the other side real quick. Galatians 5.17. Galatians chapter 5 at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, pastor was all in my study. <laughs> and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. So let's talk about this flesh life. This that free fall kind of life, the do you boo of our worldly system, the I'm just me, flaws in all nature, okay. the I can have anything I want nature, the greed nature, the lust nature, the selfish nature, the vainglory nature, that need to be relevant nature, the look at me, look at me nature, the it's my party and I'm going to do what I want to do nature. <laughs> And my line, of course, oh, I got one too. They can't nobody beat me, nature, all right? <laughs> I think you get the point. It is the rebellion to the nature of Christ. And it is worse when you are wearing a Christian t-shirt while doing it. I mean, it goes down, it goes down. <laughs> Action is taken but then there is a production of shame by the accuser. This happens when we do not call it out. We don't make it clear, open knowledge before the Lord. Righteousness is no longer recognizable in the flesh. We are saturated with compromise, greed, selfishness, anger, depression, sexual immorality, a city with no walls. This is why when your life matches with the truth, you become a peculiar person. A person that draws through the miracles shown through your discipline or persecuted because of the power that gave you discipline. The power of the almighty God. Teacher, are you standing up for me? Okay. Romans 12, 2, minister. <laughs> I, I just was checking. <laughs> Romans chapter 12 at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, okay. this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. We're gonna go to how self-control produces your discipline. We're supposed to be disciples. So discipline is required, which is produced through self-control. It's a matter of making the decision and sticking with it. What decision is that? 
what are you sticking with, right? Because we can make a decision, but it might not be the right decision. All decisions should be made according to the word of God. Truth and the glory of God. No decision should be made for self-glorification, personal use, personal satisfaction, but directly according to God's will, which is what's at war with your flesh. So you see why sometimes it's difficult to make a decision? Because your flesh is fighting, and it got its own things it want to do. And then God's will is Holy Spirit, which is on the opposite end, and it has things for you to do. So that leads me to Proverbs 12.1. Y'all know this one. Proverbs chapter 12 at verse 1. I'm going to read this one in the New Living Translation. Yep. <laughs> it so reads, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. So if your self-control builds up your discipline and it's exercised and used by God and constantly building you up, you would love discipline, which means that you will consistently be learning. This was proven to us earlier when it showed us that we grow closer to God as we are being tested. This is why this scripture is so powerful because it brings us into the knowledge of God. So your self-control, your discipline, is the reason why you even come in this building every Tuesday, every other Friday and Sunday. And that same discipline needs to be taken at home when you're in your own studies, when you're doing the things you need to do with your word, and when you're praying. It takes discipline. But guess what? With that discipline, you what? You learn. It's stupid to hate correction. Guess when you're being stupid? When you're in your flesh. You think your flesh want to be corrected? You should already know that if Holy Spirit is opposite of your flesh, and that is all truth, all knowledge, that the flesh is stupid. It's the opposite. It goes against it, right? So how do you view God? He's the almighty, right? He's the great I am, right? So who do you think your flesh is? We should be abhorred of our flesh. We should be abhorred of our flesh. So what is now revealed from what you just learned? Holy Spirit, who has shown himself as love in you and coming out of you, which bared its fruit, has mastered self-control, and have experienced the benefits thereof which has caused you to love discipline. Discipline is now valued because it what? It keeps you in Christ. All right? I'm gonna try to squeeze on right through here. I'm feeling like my time coming up. So, how to rebuild your city. I'm not gonna go to all the scriptures because I got, I got plenty more scripture. But how to rebuild your city. The word of God. Stay studying the word of God. Amen. On your own time, go to Philippians 4, 8 and Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Number two, do your worship on your own time. Go to John 4, 22 through 24. 
Number three, serve unselfishly. On your own time, First <laughs> Peter 5, 6 through 8. Number four, fear and desire God. I'm going to go to this one because this scripture actually is a snapback for me when I'm dealing with temptation. If you can go to Psalm 84, 11. And I'm getting ready to close, as teacher was saying. Psalms chapter 84 and verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So, because my desire is to please God, and I understand that he is my shield, and I understand his grace, his favor, his glory, he becomes my first love. This makes my desire to want to walk uprightly, to want to be pure, which now reveals that no good thing will be withheld. All right? So do you want what God wants, or do you want what you want? You already seen who God is and who your flesh is. I mean, it does, it does the most. So I'm going to leave you with this. Of course, it's the word. Go to Proverbs 2, 2 through 12, and you can just read that. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 12. Make, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom and inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding, applying all your powers to the quest for it. Verse 3. Yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of our omniscient God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He hides away sound and godly wisdom and stores it for the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with him. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly and in integrity, that he may guard the paths of justice. Yes, he preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and fair dealing in every area and relation. Yes, you will understand every good path. For skillful and godly wisdom shall enter into your heart and knowledge shall be pleasant to you. Discretion shall watch over you. Understanding shall keep you. Verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil and the evil men, from men who speak perverse things and are liars. 
and the word of the Lord is blessed. Thank you. Phenomenal teaching. Can we give the woman of God a hand clap? Yeah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. She is uh, an example of what she has taught. And uh, self-control is something that I really prize myself on because that is the balancer of our life. And uh, when you see someone who's out of control, it, it, it looks a mess, and it is a mess. What I really, I was so grieved when I was hearing the message. I was excited. I had a lot of emotions going on. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of emotions going on. I, I felt excited because I was seeing someone who was a servant to her flesh. I saw someone who was a slave to her flesh. I saw someone who was. So I had a lot of emotions going on. And because of still many of us in the body of Christ are still a slave to our flesh. This is not a likely teaching to just, oh yeah, I heard about the flesh and, and sin and it's. This is someone who was not free, but looked free. I had a lot of mixed emotions. I was excited, then I was sad, then I, then I felt all the things that she went through and where she's at now, and it was just, because I wasn't hurting at first. All of a sudden, my back started to really tense up. I was sorry. Um, Then I began to ask God why, the same question that Minister T spoke about, then why do we continue to sin? And I know we may have a lot of excuses as to why we continue to sin, but we shouldn't have any. Because the word of God said we shouldn't be a habitual sinner. This shouldn't be something that we are practicing. And what separate, why would we choose to separate ourselves from God? It says that when a man walks in pride, he's stupid. Self-control is simply this. 
the power to rule. I have the power to rule the entire city. I have the power to rule the entire city. Prayer. You've been given his spirit. And his spirit gives you the ability to have power to rule. Why would you want to be separated from the power to rule? You can rule your state of mind no matter what your situation is. This is the problem we're still having situations at home, at work, wherever, and we still don't have the power to rule the entire city. So you have your own city. I don't have the power to rule your city, but I have the power to rule my city. And your lack of you not ruling your city will not affect my city rule. We're talking about self-control, the power to rule. Why are you not at peace? You have the power to rule. Why you can't love? You have the power to rule. Why is it a struggle? To, pastor, it's a reason that those, the two had to meet love and self-control. We read the love chapter every Sunday service. But void of self-control. Because that's the power to walk in love. We don't have self-control. Flesh. Flesh is the anti-God energy. It's the anti-God energy. Hear me, it has a energy that opposes the anti-God energy. So when you decide to disobey the word of God, and the life that you're called to lead, you put yourself to be a servant under the anti-God energy. Versus when we are obedient, it is a God energy. That See, this activates, this, your obedience activates the God energy energy. See, but you don't believe that. You know why? Because it's just another word to you. This is not a, a reality to you. 
that there are entities at work. We talk about the word, but you don't see, if you do see, we're not responding like we see. I'm not going to say you don't see, but we are conducting ourselves as if we don't see or are aware of the energy, the anti, your flesh star has an anti-energy. Meaning it has power. It has a power. And so when you don't obey the word of God, that is power to continue to sin and walk the wrong way. And you can't help but do what's wrong because you're energized to do wrong. You're energized to think wrong. But you think that you're thinking right. And you can't understand why nobody else. Okay. We are to be considered in a way, as Apostle Paul would say, a well-trained Olympic athlete. Meaning that you are to control your appetite, meaning your desires. You are to control your appetite and your temper. Because you are a well-trained Olympic athlete. You have been training for this. This flesh. Discipline. Well able to overthrow and deny. So when you say yes to the flesh, obviously we know we're saying no to the spirit. But what you're saying no to now is to do the will of God, which makes it impossible to desire God. I want him, but I don't desire him. I want to treat you right. Somebody pray for me. I want to treat him or her better. Some, I need you to pray for me to have a better relationship. Pray for me. There's no prayer for that because you have fueled the wrong entity, which is your flesh. You have the power to treat someone right. You have the power to speak kind words. You have the power to not be selfish. You have the power not to walk in pride. You have the power. Because you've been given the power to rule your city. Self-control. Control your mind. 
Control your thoughts. Control your emotions. Control your wrong way of thinking. This is really all I, I really had to, to say. There's so much more, but I, there's been so much more that has been said tonight through Pastor and also Mr. T. And I'm very thankful for the growth because you will have to love discipline. You will have to love correction. Every time you're with me, See, do you have it easy? You work with me. Do you have it easy? Off-site, on-site is always the same. And you're always, because you're with the teacher, and you're your teacher. And I'm grooming you and developing you as a teacher. And you're always in a place of training. No let up. You cried those tears six or eight months ago for that situation. What do you mean I'm not paying your attention? No, I'm not because you had your moment. You had your moment right in the middle of the tears coming down. You already had that time. Now, you right. Don't go back and visit something that you've already dealt with. We dealt with this. And you overcame that. This is a trigger. It's almost just like a kid that when they, when they start to, uh, you already told them what they can and can't do, and then they going back doing their own thing and want to get your attention. I'm not. This doesn't require my attention because now you know what to do. And then even in my silence, I'm real loud, so you know what to do. This was a very, <laughs> see, and Frida, somebody else, see, Frida been running away from me for years. Frida, how I get into this? <laughs> because we have to get what God has for us quick. Because someone else does need so they need you to already have it so they can get it. So I believe in giving you a crash course. I'm going to hit you as hard as God will let me. And I, I will want you enough to know what you can handle. So it's just like when you're training as a boxer or whatever, a person training means to be. And because they've been working with you for a while, they know how much you can take. But you probably don't think, and I'm like, B, I can't do another one. I can't do another pull-up, push-up. I can't do another plank. But they know because they've been watching your body and your endurance and your strength. See, I've been watching your life and your endurance and your strength. So I know I can, see, now I can talk to you even at a, more harsh level, but it's still in love. Because it's not about the feelings, it's about getting you to your goal, because you're in training. You're in training, get out of your feelings. 
You got something to do, goals to accomplish. We can't keep stopping. I'm, I'm keep talking to you about you hurt. You didn't understand why I said what I said. You don't need to understand. Just do it. Stop wasting time. This was a very difficult walk for her. And to have that kind of life and that torment and still go on and still smile and laugh. And she's the most pleasant person. That's all. And I'm like, can't you just stop smiling? You smile all the time. I'm all tense at work. Teacher, give me a hug. Give me a hug. I don't want to give you no hug. And I was serious. I don't want to give you a hug. I gave her, and she she does this because she see she cares, and then the stress, and she know the life that I have. She know the life that I have, and then you know what else? She's protecting, looking out for her teacher, because I still need some more from you, and I need you not to be depleted. I need you to still be strong. I really pray that tonight, this self-control, this is something that you can't impute in anyone else, but you can, you can receive it yourself. And one, another thing about self-control is that you are to first have priorities. We need a schedule. When I say you need priorities. A person who has self-control have priorities. Have a lot of projects at my job. Have a, a huge responsibility here at the ministry. And then all the other things that I do in NACUS and all whatever else I do and, and aim to and you go ahead and keep listening up and counseling and the people we talk to. Our lunch breaks is now being uh, centered around other people. We're meeting people off campus and we, we are mentoring them. We are girding them up for what God has called them to do. So it's more of our time. So that means I have to have priorities to maintain my discipline, to maintain my self-control. But we go about wrong ways and when it comes to self-control about having things in order and the routine, that's not self-control because that's OCD. And if, if anything's out of order, then you freak out. I believe that was near the last thing I was gonna, going to say in reference to self-control. Because it you have, to, you have to have that desire priority, and it was a third one. Um, but it'll come to me, and I'll, I'll share it on the app or something like that. But um, you have to have priorities in your life. What is priority in your life? Because if not, guess what? Nothing's disciplined about your life because there's no need for self-control. 
You're not managing anything. Are you? Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's it. I won't, don't want to keep you anymore, but I um I thank you, Mr. T, for the word. I thank you for your labor in the word. She's someone who has, um, among many others, as my call is teacher, it, it makes it very more satisfying when you see student take upon them the responsibility and the call as serious as you would. That is a um, very notable thing to do. I really appreciate you. I appreciate every student here tonight. Takes a lot of work, takes a lot of commitment not to quit. So I thank you all for not quitting. This is what the enemy want you to do is not to quit. Uh, I want to even thank Cindy, Minister Cindy and Minister Dye that came over and they've taken on leadership, which means you have to have a schedule. Your life has to be prioritized, things in your life. You, what is God first? What, what he would have you to do first and everything else will fall in line. But thank you as students because this ministry is a school. It's a school and we are developing leaders. We are developing business owners. We are developing great many women in God. We are developing and enriching marriages. We are, we are calling you to see that life that God has called you to be even though you don't see it right now. We, we're opening your eyes to see the true reality of who you really are and the power and the capability that you have inside of you. We're eradicating tradition of man out of your mind. And that takes a little work because that's been a foundation in your life. So thank you. Thank you, students. Thank you. Because you are truly students to sit here and walk a minister. You, you have to be a student. You have to be disciplined and love the word of God because it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce 